Welcome to the Commonwealth Poetry Podcast, where we celebrate poetry and the Commonwealth with people from across the Commonwealth. I'm Giles Brandreth. And I'm Afra Brandreth. We're a father and daughter based in London in the UK. But each fortnight, online or in person, we're discovering a different Commonwealth country, where we talk about poetry with someone from that country who cares about poetry, knows about poetry, often writes their own poetry. And they are going to share with us two or three of their favourite poems. Where are we exploring this week, Afra? This week, we're finding out all about Bangladesh. And there is a lot to discover, actually, because Bangladesh has archaeological sites, historical mosques and monuments, some of the longest natural beaches in the world, picturesque landscapes, hill forests and wildlife, and it's home to the Royal Bengal Tigers. Dad, you give us the facts and figures. Bangladesh is surrounded by India to the west, north and east. It borders Myanmar in the southeast. The Bay of Bengal is to the south. The population is approximately 164.7 million people, meaning that Bangladesh is the eighth most populated country in the world. The area is around 147,570 square kilometers. The capital city is Dakar. Bangladesh joined the Commonwealth in 1972 following independence from Pakistan. The official language is Bangla, also known as Bengali. Bangladesh is the world's second biggest exporter of clothes after China. Bangladesh also has a rich literary heritage, which we're looking forward to finding out more about. We're recording today from the wonderful Riverside Studios in London, and here to share his story and his love of Bangladesh, we're excited to be joined by Mozamel Hossein KC. Mozamel, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here with us today. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Mozamel Hossein KC. KC stands for King's Council which means that you are a lawyer, a barrister, now working in the United Kingdom. Indeed. But your life began in Bangladesh. Tell us who you are, what your background is, where you were born in Bangladesh. Well, your story. So, I was born in a place called Borishal uh, in Bangladesh, south of of Bangladesh, in a village called Mollar Haula. Uh, I'm the youngest of eight children. Um, And... Uh, I left Bangladesh sort of at the age of 21 or 22. I mean, you never really know your real age. I mean, my father was 93 for the last 10 years before he died. My mother always was 85. Um, so I left uh, my memory uh, when I left my then home. It was a wooden house, mud floor, tin roof. And we used to bathe in a pond surrounded by papa trees and pineapple bushes. It was magical. My sort of earliest memories of Bangladesh is, is a lot of fresh smell and, and how quiet the village was. And, um, and, and, and sort of, so the smell, the smell was the smell of fresh food and mangoes and pineapple and mustard oil fields and sugarcane molasses and date palm molasses and the smell of my mother. My mother used to uh, use home-milled uh, mustard oil on her hair and, and coconut. And she had this most amazing smell. And of course, as a young, young child, I was to always spend most of my time with my mother uh, uh, because, you know, I mean, this sort of, I was very spoiled and they never would let me do anything. And so I would, and my mother, the memory I have of her is working day and night. Uh, my brothers would tell me, my sisters would tell me that she used to work 18 hours a day and she used to do Everything. So they, my parents were small-time farmers. So when they married off, they were given 
just a plot of land. My mother would tell me this story all the time, and, and a vat of rice. And from there, because she was so, she had a most sort of tragic and dramatic life, and she would tell me stories, because uh, uh, my mother was married off at the age of 11, uh, and she never went to school, but she would always tell you stories about her life, and I remember she would tell you so many times her marriage was just, everything about her life was very dramatic. You say she was married off, because she was 11 years yes. old. Her parents yes. came to an arrangement with another family's parents that they would... Exactly. The but son that, of that family and your mother would marry. Yes, but that didn't happen. Because oh. what happened, she was on her way on a boat on the canal to marry somebody else. And my father's family, they stopped the boat. And she was, you know, they got her out of the boat and she was married off to my father. So neither my father nor my mother had a choice in the marriage at all. Oh my it's goodness, and did the families know each other? Yes, it did, it did. <laughs> so she sort of didn't want her children to be farmers. My, my father wanted us to become farmers, and she was single-mindedly, she said, no, my children, they must have education, the education she didn't have. And so, going back to my memories of her, because she would, from very little land they had, they ended up buying much of the lands in the village. And my mother was the brain behind it, uh, because my father just would let her do whatever she wanted, you know, in matters of enterprise and money. So she used to work a lot on the lands, you know, 18 hours a day, she would work on the land. She would do everything other than harvesting. So give an example with paddy. So paddy will be harvested. She'll do the boiling of it. She'll do the husking of it. She'll do the winning of it, winning in the air when you separate the husk from... Everything will be done by her. And I remember those memories. I'll be watching my mother doing those things. And that's way from very poor, being very poor, she, we ended up owning, because of her, much of the land in the village. Because she just saved money, she bought lands, and we become, you know, I mean, you know, it's not really wealthy in any Western standard. But, you know, in Bengali standard, it's well off. So that's the memory I have, really, the memory of a smell. And did you go to school? Yes, so I was um, going to school in the village until I was 16. And the memory of that I have in monsoon, I used to go to school with my sister. And you, of course, you walk barefoot. I didn't have shoes until I went to the city. And I still remember, it'll be so muddy, the roads. And I was very little. I'll get stuck in the mud. My sister would have to pull me out of the mud. And would, you know, it's two miles walk each way. And I have those very strong, you know, memories of that. Was it a good school? Or were there lots no. of children? No, lots no. Children? I mean, yeah, lots of children, but not really good. I mean, the funny thing is you just gave, you know, the lesson on geography you and Afro gave was better than I ever, I ever, I should, I ever had before when I was a child. So, no, you know, it's just, you know, they did their best, you know, not a very good school. But, but I was not very hardworking. My, my brothers and my sister, they managed to do well, you know, they all did very well. And what language were you talking? Bengali. So bang, everything was in, in Bengali. I mean, they teach you English, but even after 12 years of English, I couldn't string a sentence together. When did, when did English disappear? Because Bangladesh was part of Pakistan. Yes. Pakistan was part of India. First, there was the separation in 1947, and then in 1972, the independence of Bangladesh. But English language had been part of the heritage. I think it's after the partition of... Sort of um, I don't think we had really... So when we became part of Pakistan... In 1947, it was really it's Bengali and the Urdu that was used. I think maybe in sort of courts and higher courts and some of the documents would be in English, but nobody really, I mean, nobody in the village spoke English, you know. I mean, even when I went to Dhaka, nobody really spoke English. 
I think it was, you spoke possibly, my, my father, I mean, he, did, he only went to primary school, but I think he had some English under the British, when we were the, part of the British colony, but not, not in independent Bangladesh. And at school, did you learn poetry? Was poetry part of Yes, it? yes, you had to, yes, of course. And, uh, and because there's not much to do in the village, I mean, I remember, I mean, as I say, how quiet it was. I'll give you an example. So, of course, there's no phones, nothing at all. So my mother would be working uh, in the house and working in, in the courtyard and my father in the field. If she had to pass a message to my father, the way to do it, so she will shout something, so I shout something to Afra. Afra will then shout. Somebody else will hear beyond her. They will shout back. And that way my father, I remember that as a child. He will give the message and the message will come back the same way. And it, it's really strange, with eight children, it is a very quiet, everything in the village was very, very quiet always. And I remember that. So, yes, poetry was, so we, you know, we, I mean, I never played, played really sports, you know, I didn't, even, no, I didn't even know how to ride a bicycle until five years ago. So there's nothing, you don't, so you really either, you, you know, you read poetry, I mean, about Bengalis, people will tell you, most, almost every single Bangladeshi person who can write or read, they all write poetry, you know. I mean, even I did, I'm sure, very badly. But everybody does, you, you know, and you, everybody loves politics, talk about politics and poetry. It's, it's, it's part of the life because you don't have any other distractions. So there's no uh, television. The only thing we really had, a very old transistor with, with, with batteries. So, yes, poetry was part of life. Is this time to introduce a poem? The poem I want to read is... is it's, by somebody called Shukanta Vattacharya. Uh, it's tragic. He, he died um, his, when he was 20. He was born in Kolkata. And he was known, you'd know the great Bengali poet uh, Nojul Islam, who was the rebel poet of, of Bengal. So he was called sort of the child rebel poet. You know, he was sort of revolutionary type, young man. And um, he, during the Bengal famine, he... He, I think he was very scarred by that. And when was this famine? So 1943. Uh, uh, as you know, I think close to three million people died. And he did uh, those, you know, he was living in Kolkata, and, and there's many sort of stories of Kolkata that you'd see corpses on the street. And he did relief work during, during uh, the Bengal famine, and he wrote a poem, I think a few years after that, about hunger. Now... I only realized the meaning of this poem when I went to Dhaka at the age of sort of 16 or 17. Because in the village, you people are poor, but I think poverty is gentle in the village. Because I've never seen anybody go hungry. People may not have much, they may not wear much, but there's always fish in the canal, fish in the river, fish in the pond, fish in the fields. You know, you can go and sort of pick wild root vegetable. You always, you never go hungry. But when I went to Dhaka at the age of 16, suddenly it hits you. You see poverty. Young children, women, sleeping on the streets, in the slums, by the railway lines. So it's a poem about poverty, and I think I want to do it in Bengali, if I may. Now, I don't have the sort of, that passion, the, the, the sort of fueled by arrogance of youth. I don't have that, so it will be read by a much older man, and then I'll maybe translate. Uh, oops, try. Hemahajibon. <clears throat> আর কাব্য নয় এবার কঠিন কঠোর গদ্য আনো পদলালিত্য ঝঙ্কার মুছে যাক গদ্য ক 
कड़ा हाथुड़ी के आज आनो प्रयोजन नहीं कवित स्निग्धता कविता तुम्हारे दिलम आज के छुट्टी क्षुदार राज्य पृथ्वी गद्यमय पूर्णिमा चाँद जान झलसान रुटी ना really sort of, the problem with lot of these poems in bengali there aren't many great translations other than octagos so i have looked at some online translations and tried to do my own translation you know it's not great but it will give you some idea no more poetry bring on the hard harsh prose instead let the jingle of verse disappear and the strong hammer of prose strike no need for the soft caress of a poem Poetry. I give you a holiday today. In the world of hunger, the earth belongs to prose, and the moon burns like a roti. That's powerful stuff, isn't it? So he was sort of in Bengali. He says, "Punima chajana chalshana roti." Is he looks at the the full moon, and it's like a burnt roti. And remember, he was only a teenager when he wrote this. And when you were a teenager, what happened to you? What happened to your mother? So there were dramatic elements. So my mother, so the marriage, first the marriage, you know, and um, so, I mean, she had a very cruel life, I think, my mother. I mean, that was, I think all women did, I think, um, particularly that time. But she had a happier life. I mean, she used to tell us that um, her mother, her own mother, who I've never met, she said to her one day, because she was complaining about her life and she said don't worry your children would would give you much happiness and 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 i think because she gave us so much my mother she was you know she gave, gave everything everything i tell you story when i that found out about her it broke my heart that so she would when you had very little she would work on the farm then she'll cook for eight children and the husband so she will feed because in bengali culture you feed the husband and the children first and then it's her turn to eat so she would always by the time it will be her turn it will rarely there be any curry left only the rice so she will have that with onions and 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 and, and dry chilies so when he become you know, wealthy you know we all done well my brothers and my sister they done well and you know we all give her send her money she would never use it for she would just always gives money away to people she still had the habit of having lots of rice and very little curry you know so i would get very very angry with her because it was very bad for her and but she would still um still uh do that so you know she gave us everything 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 and and she died uh, in may 2021 and she was my biggest pocket of love and um So really, and and shoot, my mother always would tell us stories about, and in the village, there's so many superstitions. So there'd be stories of of, and um, she would say, for example, at night, it's always very. I remember other things. It's always very dark at night. It's always very scary, and because it's jungle everywhere, and I would be so scared at night. I remember I would never get out of the house, and it would be, at the very end. I think towards the end, sort of when all my my brothers went to the city, it was just me and my mother and my father. I would spend all my time with the mother. She'd be cooking outside in those clay-made stove, and she'd tell stories. So there'll be a, I can't remember the name of the bird. This is the story. 
piteous way of singing and she will say, and I used to believe that, oh, somebody's going to die because that's a sign of... So everything was very superstitious in the villas and, and then she'll tell stories, she'll talk about stories of these uh, young children will be taken away by fairies. So I mean, you know, and I generally believed in that. So they will come to, these fairies will come and they will bathe in the pond and they will sort of undress and live there and somebody will steal their clothes and they'll be stuck. And I was like, God, I wish I could, you know, I could go. And, you know, so many times my brother and I said, would you go to the pond and see this? But Alice was very scared to go and do it. So she was always full of stories. She'll talk stories of her life and they were so sort of unreal, everything she would say about her own childhood. Because I haven't lived with her since I was 16. So what, what happened at 16? So I was sent away to, the, to, the, to, the, to Dhaka, the capital, uh, because the schools are so bad in the village, so to stay with my brother. So you were the youngest of yes. eight siblings, yes. and your brother, he was working at that stage? My brothers have done all extremely well. The way my parents did it was very clever. My, so they educated the very eld eldest one, my brother. He's the very first one in the village to go to university. So he goes to university there, he sets up a small business setting up jute. Bangladesh was the biggest producer in the world. We used to be, used to be called the golden fiver of Bangladesh because we used to get the highest amount of foreign currency selling. Not anymore, but those days. And my father used to grow, my father used to grow everything, everything. It was intensive farming from sugar cane to jute to mustard oil to rice and you know, everything was those to grow. So the way they did that is the, the, the eldest one goes to university, then he sets up the business, then he helps the young second one, second brother, and who becomes, you know, it's a very typical sort of Bengali Indian family. To just, you know, he becomes a chartered accountant. So I've got a doctor, I've got a lawyer, I've got an accountant in the family. So, and they, those two put money together for the third brother to come to England to become a doctor. And when he comes here, he brings me over. But of course, I'm the youngest. So I, you know, I, I could be selfish and I don't have to pay for anybody else. And why, why do you choose to come to England? Why is that a, is that a place where Bangladeshi people would think yes. of as a kind of old home that they'd expect to be welcomed? Exactly, because of the, the, the connection. So my brother wanted to come here to become a, a, a doctor and I wanted to become a lawyer, but I never really planned to stay here. Because when I went to Dhaka, I used to always say this to my friend, that if you live in... Dhaka, where I spent a lot of my time. I went to school there and, and college and two years at university. I did law there. Unless you're moved every day by injustice, there's something wrong with you. Because it's in your face. You come out of your house, you see it. You see the poverty, you see the injustice. So, because I was, I remember the time, I was only 17, I said, I want to be a lawyer and I want to come back and, and you know, fight for the rights of people. So, my plan was to come here, become a lawyer and go back. And my brother was willing to pay. And do you go back to Dakar? Do you see it today? And, and is the situation improved in terms of poverty and justice? I mean, I used to go to Bangladesh three times a year when my mother was alive. I go a few times now. It has changed a lot. In the villages, I think, remember when I said to you, it was abundant. There was fish everywhere. I think that's gone. It's not anymore. And a lot of people have left the villages to go and live in the cities or in Dhaka. I think... What has changed? There's a huge amount of wealth you can see in Dhaka, and it's going up in all the buildings. Then you also see poverty. Um, maybe not as sort of brutal as before, but there is still poverty. And it's, it's, you can see the contrast. 
So I think as a country, it is wealthier, without a shadow of doubt. But there are other problems. Give us another poem. And tell us a little bit about the, the heritage of poetry in uh, Bangladesh. So really, I mean, as I said before, I mean, everybody writes poems. If you can uh, read or write, you, you write poems. And uh, uh, we'll come to that. Uh, is Nazrul, who was the sort of rebel poet, uh, the national poet of Bangladesh, one of his poems, the Bitrohi, which is the rebel, uh, is, is been a rallying cry during the partition of India, for the independence war of Bangladesh, even any... Can you just tell us a little bit about that? So what happened? We obviously know that there was uh, independence from from Britain, yes. and then there was a period of time that led to Bangladesh's yes. own independence. What was the kind of story there? In 1947, we get the independence, of course, and Bangladesh is put with Pakistan, and it is... You know, most curious decision, I think, most people will agree, uh, because there you have the Bengal, the East Bengal, which become Bangladesh and West Bengal, where Kolkata is still with part of India, and Bangladesh is put with Pakistan and with many thousands miles of India in between, and very little in common between these two countries and the religion. You know, we spoke different languages. I think our and it just simply didn't work. Um, so I think the Bengalis in East Bengal, they felt uh, were being treated not, not well. So there was a, the independence war in 1971 for roughly nine months, were held by India. So Bangladesh became independent uh, in December 1971. And was it a brutal war? Yes, I mean, it's difficult to know how many sort of people died. The figures are from as in everything in Bangladesh, there's always much controversy, from 300,000 to 3 million uh, is, is the figure. So, and, um, and is there still a legacy from that? Are people still...? Very much. I think um, very much. I think it is still for part of much, almost everything in Bangladesh that happened, literature of, of, of politics, it still plays a very important part, uh, the independence war. I mean, I wasn't born. My brother was a freedom fighter, so you hear stories of that time. And um, no, it's still, I think it still is a big part of our legacy. Give us one of the poems and tell us where it comes from no. and why you've chosen it. This poem, I, this is Jibonando Dash. He was born in the same place as I was born, Borishan. <laughs> so after Tagore and Najrul, Tagore, Tagur and Najrul, of course, they're all... Bengali, great Bengali poets. He may be the most read poet after, after them. And he was a sort of very melancholic, lonely man, born in the same uh, place in Borishal as I was, went to the same college as two of my brothers went. And he, my immediate elder brother and I, we used to read his, this, I mean, anybody who's Bengali, who, who, who likes poetry, they will know this poem. It's called the Banulata Sen. Uh, it's about a sort of fictional character, a woman uh, based in Natur, which is the north of Borishal, a the actual place called Natur. I have a translation of it uh, by a gentleman called Joe Winter, but I have sort of changed one sentence, borrowed from another translation by somebody called Clinton B. Silly, an American, and, and Mr. Winter is British. And the reason I chose it my brother, 
who died um, in 1997, um, my immediate older brother, and he and I, we used to love this poem in Bengali. So I'll do the translation and I'll tell you why I've chosen it. For a thousand years, earth path has been my path. I passed a dark of night, the sea of Ceylon and the ocean of Malay. The ashen worlds of Bimbisara and Ashoka have encompassed and Bidarva's town's dark distance in life's far ocean foam play. And a touch of peace came to me once, the tiredest of men, and there, gone, the gift to me of Nato's Bonolotasen. Her hair was all a midnight from Bidisha's town of past, her face a sculpture out of Sravasti. And then, as a steerman on far seas, the rudder gone, to all the winds cast, fists his eyes on green grass in an island of cinnamon. So I glimpsed her in the darkness. And where were you then, raising her bard's nest eyes to me, said Nato's Bonolotasen. At day's end, when the evening is here at last, in syllables of the dew, and a hawk wipes the scent of sunlight from its wings, the world's color is all out. Then a shimmering script is traced in sparkles of fireflies. A story to tell. All bards make for home, all rivers, Ended is all day's regimen. Darkness is all there is. And I, face to face, with Bonolotasen. The reason I chose it, there's a sort of by cruel twist of fate. He and my brother both died in the same way. So he died in Kolkata um, under a tram. My brother died under a train in Dhaka. Oh, and, goodness. And the both, so, in my brother's case, they say that the people who witnessed his death, they said, you know, the train whistled, but he didn't stop. The same thing happened with Jimrandu uh, Dash. The train whistled, he didn't stop. My. Well, the poem has got some very evocative lines. Yeah. It? So, and that's why I chose, I mean, uh, it's beautiful in Bengali. I mean, I, I don't know whether you get a sense of it, but it's... it's well, we've certainly got a sense of the beauty, absolutely, and the haunting quality. Give us one more. And this is going to be by, for us here in England, yes. uh, the most famous Bangladeshi poet, because it is Rabindranath Tagore. Yeah. Uh, he, um, I think, wrote the national anthem. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Ah, when did he live? I mean, he, it's late Victorian times. Yes, so, so he died in 1941. He was 80. He had a very full life. And he spent a lot of, you know, he came here to become a barrister because he didn't do it. Why would he? You know, um, why would you? Um, and he didn't finish that. And he stayed, I think, near Hove. They had a home. He comes from a very wealthy family. You know, the Tagore family is one of the most family, important families in Bengal in terms of, uh, philosophy and religion and, and literature, and he has spent much of his time in Bangladesh, which was, uh, of course, Bengal then, the, the, 
East Bengal. And he's so much loved and adored uh, everywhere in Bengal. I want to read this poem, uh, a translation by Ketaki Kushari Dyson. I read this poem because it reminds me of my mother, uh, because it's about goodbyes and some of the things there reminds me of her and I have said many goodbyes to her. So I want to read that. It's a very long poem. I, I don't think I can read all of it. Uh, I'll read, tell me when to stop. Well, g give us what you think is a good flavor and then we'll give details on the website and people can go and find the rest of it because his poetry is widely published around the world, isn't it, in, in translation? Yes. So it's called I Won't Let You Go and it's from a collection of poems Shonar Tori, which is like Golden Boat and it was written, I can tell you, in 1892. It's a translation and he wrote it in Kolkata. The carriage, it stands at the door. It is midday. The autumn sun is gradually gathering its strength. The noon wind blows the dust on the deserted village path. Beneath a cool people, an ancient weary beggar woman sleeps on a tattered cloth. All is hushed and is still and shines brilliantly like a sunlit night. Only in my home there's neither siesta no rest. Ashin is gone. Puja's vacation ended. I have to return to the far off place where I work. Servants, busybodies, shout and fuss with ropes and strings. Tying packages of sprawl in this room and that. All over the house. And the lady of the house, her heart is heavy as a stone, her eyes moist, nevertheless has no time to shed tears, no, not a moment, not a minute. She has too much to organize, rushes about, extremely busy. And though there is already so much baggage, she reckons it's not enough. Look, I say, what on earth will I, shall I do with this? So many stewpots, jugs, bowls, casseroles, bedcloths, bottles, boxes. Let me take a few and leave the rest behind. Nobody pays the slightest attention to what I say. You might suddenly feel the need for this or that. And where then would you find it? Far from home. Golden moon beans, long grain rice, beetle leaves, areca nuts in that bowl, covered, and a few blocks of date palm molasses, firm ripe coconuts, two containers of fine mustard oil, dried mango, mango cakes, milk, two cells, and in these jars, and bottles, your medicines, some sweet goodies I have left inside this bowl. For goodness sake, do eat them. Don't forget them. I realize it would be useless to argue with her. There it is, my luggage. 
piled high as a mountain. I look at the clock, then look back at the face of my beloved and gently say, bye then. Quickly she turns her face away, head bent, pulls the end of her sari over her eyes to hide her tears, for tears are inauspicious. By the front door sits my daughter, four years old, low in his spirits, who on any other day would have had her bath well completed by now, and with two mouthfuls of lunch would have succumbed to drowsiness in her eyelids, but who today, neglected by her mother, has neither bathed nor lunched yet, like a shadow, she has kept close to me all morning, observing the fuss of the packing, silent, wide-eyed, weary now, sunk in some thought of hers. She sits by the front door, quietly, without a word. Goodbye then, my darling. When I say, she simply replies, sad-eyed, her face grave. I won't let you go. That is all. She sits where she is, makes not the slightest attempt either to hold my arm or close the door, but only with a heart's right, given by love, proclaims her stand, I won't let you go. Yet in the end, the time comes when, alas, she has to let me go. It's a very long poem. A very powerful poem, and obviously emotionally engaging for you because it, it reminds you of your mother, inevitably. But what an accessible poem, too. It's, it's, it's easy to understand what is happening in it. Marvellous. Do you write poetry yourself? I used to. I used to, but I, I stopped. I used to before law took over my life. I'm sure your mother was very proud when you came to the UK and became a, at that time, QC. Am I right in saying you were the first criminal law QC? Criminal lawyer, yes, of Bangladeshi origin, yes. What did she say when, when she heard she that? Said, what is the fuss about, you know? Um, because we, she never came to England, so we, we brought her here. I mean, you know, the very first time she came, she came over two weeks and she said, why did you bring me from the village? I don't understand. What is the fuss? And when you go back to Bangladesh now, what do you get from Bangladesh? Why do you, why are these roots important to you? What is, for people who've never been to Bangladesh, what is the essence of Bangladesh now, as we are almost a quarter of the way into this new century? I think it's really weird for me now, because I've lived here now longer than I've lived in Bangladesh. And of course, London is my home now, you know? I, I, I feel more at home here. But am I, because I have that emotional connection, especially the village where my mother lived, where my father lived. And, um, but it's very, you know, since she died, it is, I find it very painful to go back. I really do. I was there in December and I just couldn't stand it because, it's, you know, it's too much love. It's just too much, too many memories. You sort of... So for me, I think it's very difficult to answer that because, you know, when she was alive, I always looked forward to going back. 
uh, and I used to go at least three times a year, but now I find it very hard. Well, maybe the answer for you is to write some poetry, expressing these feelings of yours. Get them down on paper. Well done. Now, I know you had one final poem that you were hoping that Dad might read a couple of lines from. Do you want to tell us what this poem is and why you've chosen it? This is by uh, Nazrul Islam, who is the uh, national poet uh, of Bangladesh. He was a most amazing man, really, uh, in every way. Um, That is possibly his most famous poem, uh, called Bidrohi. He wrote it after he came back from the British Army. So he was in the 49th Bengal Regiment during the First World War uh, for a few years in, based in Karachi, and then he wrote that. I think soon after he also got arrested for sedition after he wrote this poem. I think he was in prison. Uh, uh, it may not be connected directly to this poem, but he was in, he, I don't, you know, he was in prison for a, at least for a year. Um, now, anybody... Uh, any Bengali, again, anybody, any Bengali who loves poems, poetry, they will know this poem. It is the most famous poem, and it's quite tragic, his life as in. It's too much tragedy in, in, in Bengal that uh, you'll, you'll read that poem, you'll realize how what a passionate sort of man he was. Well, let me give you the first two verses, and we can end on that. The Passion of Kazi Nazari Islam. The poem is called The Rebel. Proclaim, hero, proclaim, I raise my head high. Before me bows down the Himalayan peaks. Proclaim, hero, proclaim, rending through the sky, surpassing the moon, the sun, the planets, the stars, piercing through the earth, the heavens, the cosmos, and the Almighty's throne. Have I risen, I, the eternal wonder of the creator of the universe. The furious Shiva shines on my forehead like a royal medallion of victory. Proclaim, hero, proclaim, my head is ever held high. I'm ever indomitable, arrogant and cruel. I'm the dance king of the day of the doom. I'm the cyclone, the destruction. I'm the great terror. I'm the curse of the world. I'm unstoppable. I smash everything into pieces. I smash everything into pieces. I'm unruly and lawless. I crush under my feet all the bonds, rules and disciplines. I don't obey any laws. I sink cargo-laden boats. I'm the torpedo. I'm the dreadful floating mine. I'm the destructive Durjati, the sudden tempest of the summer. I'm the rebel, the rebel son of the creator of the universe. Proclaim, hero, proclaim. My head is ever held high. Amazing, amazing. And you know, at the age of 51, he just went quiet. He had, because of some neurological disease he had, and he never wrote, never spoke. And what is the message of that? Who, and why does everybody in Bangladesh know this poem? Because I think it's, sort of, it's always been the rallying cry for, you know, against oppression, against injustice. And so he felt all of those so strongly. And, and he uses, through that poem, uh, Islamic and Hindu and, and Greek mythology. And, and in Bengal, I mean, you read it so beautifully. And, and in Bengali, it is so powerful. I mean, you can get a sense of it, you know, and it's, it's so sort of, what's the, it's so brave. And because sort of, when I was growing up, there are not many ways you can, there's so much injustice around you, there's not many ways you can express your displeasure. The one way you do it, through poetry, and you recite that, and it's so cathartic. You read that whole poem, and you feel, 
after shouting aloud, much better. Well, we feel much better having listened to you being both powerful and moving and giving us an insight into your childhood in Bangladesh and also the importance of poetry to anyone who can read or write in that part of the world. So thank you very much indeed, Mozamal Hossein KC. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Join us next time when we'll be in another Commonwealth country with more poetry from the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth Poetry Podcast is presented by Giles Brandreth and Afra Brandreth and produced at the University of Chester. Our special thanks to them and to the Royal Commonwealth Society. And to you for listening. <laughs>